A couple of weeks ago, my wife, uh, Hillary, and I had a chance to take our kids to the beach for spring break. And uh, while we were down there, we uh, got to hook up with some other families that we knew from from both fellowship and, and school. So we got together five families one night to cook out burgers out behind this this beach house. And, and while I was there, um, one of the young men from another family, a sixth grader, came up to me and asked if he could be baptized that night in, in the pool behind the house. And I had actually talked to this young man and his brother uh, a few months ago about baptism. So I knew he had trusted Christ and understood the symbolic meaning of baptism. And I said, man, absolutely, that, that would be a blast. And when I got finished talking to, to Thomas, his best friend TJ, another family, uh, uh, a young man, sixth grader as well, came up to me and he asked if he could be baptized. So I sat down with him and we talked about uh, what it means to trust Christ and wh- what it means to make a public profession of that inward reality in, in baptism. And he was all good to go. And, and so now we had two that were wanting to be baptized. And then when I got finished with TJ, two other kids from a different family came up to me, this time a sixth grader and his older sister, a freshman in, in high school. And so I sat down with them and, and I did the same thing. We walked it all through. And so now we were ready to go. And as I was walking uh, down the stairs to go outside to the pool, my son Wit came up to me and asked if he could be baptized. Now Wit's 10. Wit and I've been talking about baptism for the last couple of years, but I was really mixed when Wit came up and asked me. I just said, son, I'm your dad. I want to be prepared for this. I want to be prepared to say some things about you. I'm just, I'm just not sure what to say. And so I'm, I'm kind of trying to talk him out of it. You know, like, are you caught up in the emotion of tonight? All these older friends of yours. No, dad, you know, I've been wanting to be baptized. Well, Son, I've said that when you want it ready to be baptized, you, you, you got to be ready to articulate your faith to whoever's there, friends, family, whatever. You got to be able to share why, you, why you're there to be baptized. And he said, I know, Dad, I, I'm ready. And I said, well, okay, well, tell me why you're here to be baptized. And he just crushed it. <laughs> he was like, Dad, I'm... I've trusted in Jesus Christ. I, I know that I was born in sin. Uh, I know that Jesus came to, to pay the penalty for that sin, which is death. And he lived a perfect life and um, he was righteous and, and he went to the cross on behalf of my sin and he died. He was buried. He was raised. And that proves victory over sin and death. And I one day will be raised too like him. And, and dad, you know, the Bible says that when you trust Christ, you get baptized. I was like, well, I can't argue with that. My gosh, yeah. So I said, go get your mom. And, and he brought Hillary up. And so we talked and prayed for a minute. It's just, he just see the spirit of God all over him. His countenance was just glowing, it, it seemed like. And so now, now Wit's going to be baptized as well. And we said, absolutely. I don't want my expectations to get in the way of that. You know, this is great. A great night to do it. So we all go downstairs and, and we get out in the pool and five kids and me and and I share a little bit about baptism with the adults. And then they get a chance to talk about their kid and, and a little bit of the life of Christ they've seen in them. And friends did, and brothers and sisters. It was really a sweet, sweet night. And then I got to Wit. Wit was last. And uh, his, uh, Hillary, uh, his mom, my wife, uh, shared a little bit about him. His two sisters said some very thoughtful things about him. And then it was my turn. And I shared some things that I'd seen in Wit. And at the end of it, I, I looked at Wit and I said, you know, when Jesus was baptized, uh, the Spirit of God descended upon him, and uh, the voice of God, the Father, came out of heaven, this bold, authoritative voice, and said, this is my Son, in whom I am well pleased. And so I looked at my boy, and I said, and you are my Son, and I couldn't get the rest out, (laughs) in whom I am well pleased. And uh, it was just a 
special privilege uh, to get to do that in an unexpected moment. I have a picture of us in the pool who come up here on these side screens. There we are, a bunch of sixth graders, a ninth grader, and me and my boy Wit there on your far right. And um, I'll say this, you know, it's one we'll never forget for sure, you know, the cer- unique circumstance and all that. And, and it was, for me, it truly was an, an incredible, unexpected blessing from God. And, and, you know, when we started in our study of the book of Revelation, we turned to chapter 1 and we found these words in verse 3. You don't have to turn there. They're going to come up on the screen behind me. We found these words. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it for the time is near. Revelation is the only book in the Bible that promises blessing for those who read, hear, and heed it. And you may remember this, in the very first week of our series, Michael said, it's going to be interesting to see what God does in us over the course of our time in the study of the book of Revelation, first three chapters. Be interesting to see how God chooses to bless us, to bless us over the course of of this time together. And uh, that was the first, that was the beginning of the series. This is the end of the series. This is the last message in our study of the seven letters to the seven churches. And, and if you're newer, you're a guest with us today, I want you to know this service is, is not the norm. This, this will be different from the norm. At the end of our time today, I, I'm going to invite some of you to share. In fact, we'll, we'll do it this way. I, I'm, gonna, I'm the setup man today. That's my role today is to be the setup man. Uh, it, it'll be your opportunity, uh, actually, to, to help us to conclude the series. I don't know how many of you follow baseball, but there's a setup man in baseball. There's a starting pitcher, there's a setup man, and there's a, a closer. So the the role of starting pitcher, his responsibility is uh, to pitch well enough and long enough that hopefully his team gets the lead. If that happens, then the setup man will come in, ideally in the seventh or eighth inning, and he'll try to maintain the lead, uh, make the outs, maintain the lead, and set up the closer. Closer comes in and throws a bunch of fastballs, tries to strike everybody out, and slam the door on the win. Okay? I'm the setup man, you're the closer. Tracking with me? That's what we're going to do today. And so I'm going to help guide us. I'm going to direct us where, where we go. And then I'm going to ask you to help, help us bring it home. And, and here's how we're going to do that today. Very simple. I'm going to walk through a view of where we've been. And then I'm going to invite you to, to take a card out of your program. You can grab it now if you want to, or you can grab it here in a few minutes when we get to it. There's a card in your program, and I, I'm going to just lead us through uh, an opportunity just to think about ways that God has blessed us over the course of the last three months. Here's some of the ways. I'll give you some categories. I'll, I'll give you some thoughts to think about. And then at the end of that time, as we just jot down everything that comes to mind, I'm going to ask you just to grab one, just to grab one of those things and write it at the bottom of the card. There's a couple lines at the bottom of the card, just a simple sentence or two about one of the ways that God's blessed you. And then I'm just going to ask a whole bunch of us just to read our cards. Just very simple. I'm not going to put you on the spot, ask you a bunch of questions. You don't have to share for five minutes of that. But, but I, do, I do want a whole bunch of us to share. And, and here's why, two reasons. The first is this. Um, when we share what God's doing in our lives with one another, God is uh, growing in us, how God is changing us, how he's blessing us. When we share those things, it's of great encouragement to the rest of us. We realize that we're in this together. We're, we're not alone. 
So we connect in pain. We share in each other's joys and sorrows. We know that we're not isolated. We're a part of a body of faith with others who are trying to walk this path of brokenness and redemption, of screw-ups and, and God's glory in us. And we're, just, we're going together, walking in Him, maturing in Him, and growing in Him. And, and, and that's significant because you can say things in a way that Michael, Lloyd, Rob, and I can't say. You can say things to each other in, in ways that we can't do it, in ways that are good for the soul. It's just different hearing from someone down the row or, or across the room. And the Spirit of God uses that in a way that's different than us teaching up here. And, and so it, it's important. Ephesians talks about stimulating, spurring one another on to love and good deeds. That's what, that's what Paul is describing in Ephesians, is declaring the goodness of God to one another. So even if you come to the end of this, I, I just want to encourage you in this. Even if you come to the end of our time together today and you think, ah, I don't have anything to share. Or my eyes are so small or insignificant can, compared to everyone else's. I want to encourage you to share it anyway. And here's why. Because I can almost guarantee you that there's some in the room who are right where you are. That's why. And your words may be just the words that they need to hear. A very tangible expression of God in their life. You may be the one that is actually blessing them in this moment right now. So I want to encourage you to do that. First reason is that we can encourage one another. Second is that it brings glory to God. It just absolutely brings glory to God to declare boldly his goodness in our lives. Declare who he is, what he's done, and what he will do. It brings honor and praise to his name. And so it's for those two reasons that we do what we do at the end of a series. So now, let me move into review, and, and I'll walk us through this, and, and then we'll, we'll turn and close in, in that way together. And now when we turn to the book of, of Revelation, we know this. These seven churches in Asia, they're under intense persecution and opposition. Opposition that has really discouraged them, that has, has really overwhelmed them in such a way that they've begun to lose sight of the end. They've begun to lose sight of Jesus' return for them and the hope that they have in that. And so it's in this place that Jesus Christ himself intervenes. And he reveals himself in a way that he never has before. And he has something to say to his church. He commends his church and he rebukes his church and he exhorts his church and he makes promises to bless his church. Now I want to take us back through this briefly to remind us where we've been, okay? Uh, to see the immeasurable love and concern of Jesus Christ for his church and to prepare our hearts to respond to him in just a few minutes. I'm going to be walking quickly through chapters 1 through 3 of the book of Revelation. If you want to take your Bible out and turn there, you're welcome to. I'll give a summary of, of chapter 1, and then I'll make a few comments about each of the seven churches. And so I'm not going to go to a specific chapter and verse, but you'll be able to follow along and see the detail as I go if you'd like to do that. The first chapter is about the impeccable character of Jesus Christ. He is the faithful witness, the testimony to a very real God. He is the firstborn of the dead, the first to be resurrected. And, and in the firstborn of the dead, that phrase, we know that we too who have trusted in Christ will be resurrected from the grave to be with him. Firstborn of the dead. He is the ruler of the kings of the earth. 
and he is the one who is coming on the clouds. It's the further unveiling of who he is and all that he is, what he's done and what he will do. You, you may remember this very specific, detailed description of Jesus Christ. It's found in verses 13 to 17. Very specific. It talks about his hair being white, white like white wool. His eyes like flames of fire. His feet like burnished bronze. His voice like the sound of many waters. And, and when we were talking about that in the first chapter, we, we reminded ourselves that, that a lot of the language in Revelation is symbolic in nature. This is not describing what Jesus looks like. This is what Jesus is like. So we know that Jesus is wise. The white hair, think wisdom of age. He's wise, wise. He's, he's omniscient, meaning that he sees all things. He sees to and fro about the earth. He sees in a way that penetrates the depths of our soul. He's omnipotent, all-powerful, stable, steadfast, feet like burnished bronze. He cannot be moved. He is brilliant, he is glorious, he is majestic, he is sovereign, and he is supreme. And John leaves us at the end of chapter 1, standing in awe of Jesus Christ. And it is this Jesus Christ who has something to say to his church. And as I walk through these seven churches, I might just invite you to consider which church you most identify with. Which group of people are you most like on this day or in this season. So he begins with the church in Ephesus and he commends the church in Ephesus for their perseverance and for their endurance. But he tells them that they have lost their first love. You've lost your first love. Other things have gotten in the way of the most important thing. Distractions. Your priorities have gotten confused. How many of us struggle with this? I certainly do. But he says to them this, he, he pursues, he convicts, he exhorts, he loves. And he says to them, you, you know, I still desire, you've lost your first love, but I'm not walking away from you. No, no, my desire is that you would return to your first love and that you would experience this promise, this unbelievable promise, that you would experience paradise with me for eternity. Church in Ephesus, then we go to the church in Smyrna. And the church in Smyrna is suffering unrelenting persecution and poverty. But Jesus says to this church, you are rich. What? You are rich. Yes, I know you have as many physical needs as you could ever count. But you are rich spiritually. Why? Because you, church at Smyrna, have been faithful to me. And you will continue to suffer on account of me. Maybe some of you find yourself in that season, season of ongoing suffering on account of Jesus Christ. You will continue to suffer on behalf of me, but know this, this is not your end. For even if you die, Jesus says, I will give you the crown of life. Even if you die a physical death, you will live forever. He commends the church in Pergamum for holding fast to him, for not denying the faith, but he has a word of rebuke for them as well. This is a church that is prone to false teaching, to false doctrine. 
And the reason that it's prone to false doctrine is because they've tried to accommodate the things of the world. Michael might say it this way, they, they've let the world teach them theology. And so Jesus, he invites this church at Pergamum to repent. Now, now that the church at Thyatira, there is great commendation for this church. You love well, you serve well, your faith is strong, you persevere well, you have matured well. But he has a word of grave warning for them too. For they too have tolerated false teaching. And that false teaching has led to immorality in the church. You might remember this woman they've nicknamed Jezebel, who's who's false teacher in the church, that many in the church have begun to adhere to her teaching. That teaching has led to immorality in a community that is filled with immorality. And, And Jesus exhorts this church to hold fast to the truth. Separate yourself from false doctrine and return to truth. And for those who do, he promises authority. Authority over the kings of the earth and all the peoples of the earth. He tells the church at Sardis to wake up. Everybody thinks you're alive. You think that you're alive, but you are actually dead. You look the part. But you are, in fact, just going through the motions. And just going through the motions, going to church and showing up and praying before a meal and and trying to encourage a friend, but without the depth of heart in it, just going through the motions, Jesus says, that can be lethal. So Jesus strongly encourages them to, to remember where they started, to go back to where they began, to remember what they had received in the first place and keep it. And he says, if you do, listen to this promise, I will be your greatest advocate before my Father. Your name will be on my lips. Now, the church in Philadelphia is a church that kept the word of God. And there is no rebuke for the church in Philadelphia. In fact, there is a great opportunity for this church. You remember that uh, Jesus talks about opening doors and shutting doors? This is an opportunity to extend the reach of the gospel in their community. Opportunity to live out the mission of the church, the mission of Jesus Christ, to be a light in their culture. And Jesus says to them that that if you take this door of opportunity, if you continue in the word of God and you begin to be bold, more bold even to a greater community, if you take this opportunity to influence the city of Philadelphia, then you need to know this, Satan will come even more strong. He he will come stronger against you than he already has. He will oppose you at every single turn. Yet Jesus promises that in the end, all their enemies will bow at their feet. They will not stand. You have a secure presence in my holy temple that is heaven. You'll be like a pillar that is stable and strong, that it helps to, to fortify my holy city. You will revel in my holy city. You will bear my name. What an incredible promise to this church. And then finally, number seven, to the church in Laodicea, he says, you think you're rich. You think you're wealthy. You think you don't need anything but you are wrong. 
You are miserable. You are wretched. You are poor. You are blind. And you are naked. You are, in fact, lukewarm. And there is no neutral with me. I would rather you be cold than lukewarm. Lukewarm is appalling to me. And literally, I will spit you out of my mouth. But his rebuke of them is not his rejection of them. Listen to the way that he pursues at the end. He says, I discipline you because I love you. I care deeply about you. In fact, if you will listen to me, even now, if you listen to me now, I will continue to avail myself to you. I will invite you to come in and dine with me and I will dine with you and you will in the end still sit with me on my throne. The sobering, convicting, humbling, and hopeful words of Jesus Christ to his church. To these seven and reflected in these seven, the number of perfection to the church then and all the way to today, to our church this morning. These words are words of grave warning and they are words of incredible blessing. Did you notice that there wasn't any rebuke that came apart from his pursuit of them, their hearts, their good? Did you notice there wasn't any exhortation that came apart from a a promise of redemption for them? Did you know that all the things that he invites them to do that he requires of the church today all point to the triumphant victory of the church with him in the future? These are words of blessing. Every commendation, every rebuke, every exhortation, and every promise. And I want us to take a few minutes to consider his blessings in our own lives. So take out this card that's in your program. Everybody take that out. I'm going to walk us through how we're going to do this and make several comments about it. See, at the top, there's a place for you to jot down a bunch of notes. At the bottom, we'll narrow it down to one at the end, and I'll walk you through that as well. And let me say this. Now, with with the sheer pace of life, it's hard to remember what happened yesterday or last week, much less the last three months, right? So I'm going to give some categories here to help us think about the last 90 days in in each of our own lives. And, And I want you just to jot things down, a phrase, a word, a sentence, whatever comes to mind. I hope you have a bunch of these that come to mind. Just jot down whatever comes. As I talk, you write, okay? If you don't have a pen, uh, you can take out your phone, make a few notes there. Uh, I'd love for you just to get some of these things down to think about your gratitude for God's blessing in your life, okay? Now, when we think about God's blessings, we, we almost always go to the good things in our lives, right? And, and I want us to include these good things. Uh, places where um, God has provided for you in a unique way, Maybe there's a close friendship that has come alongside that you just really appreciate. Uh, Maybe there's something that happened, an event that happened, a birthday that was special or some event in your life with one of your kids or with one of your close friends or a parent, something that happened that you're just, you know what, that was a blessing, the way that came about and what happened in it. Uh, Maybe it's an unexpected blessing. Uh, like mine in the pool with my son a couple of weeks ago, something that just happened and could have never expected. I want you to write down some things that 
that brought joy. You might think about where you felt joy or gladness, the moment that you were laughing hard with friends, or hope. Consider those things for just a moment and write down whatever comes to your mind, good things that God has done in your life over the last several weeks. You can keep jotting notes as I talk. I want us to include those things for sure, but I, I also want us to think about blessings that didn't feel like blessings. Hard things, difficult circumstances, challenging relationships, suffering. I want us to think about those things as well, and those things might only be seen looking back. Or they might be seen in the process of this hard. They, they might be seen just as little gifts in the process. Little rays of light, little moments of hope. Just a, a, a word of comfort. Some relief in the midst of it. It might still be overwhelming. But there's just these little places where it was like, okay, it's going to be okay. Think about those things in your life. Blessings that didn't feel like blessings. Either looking back or along the way. (coughs) Where do you see the hand of God in the midst of the heart? One of the things that's been helpful for me is to think about the places where I felt strong emotion. So you might think about times where you felt deep sadness or sadness in any way. Where do you see the hand of God in in that sadness? Or places maybe where you've been angry, frustrated, disappointed, just put out. What's God doing underneath that anger? What's God doing in you? Maybe to change you or grow you. Are there blessings in that for you? Or places of great grief. There, there have been, it's just been a season of great pain at fellowship. Lots of loss of life. Diff, difficult, difficult circumstances with kids and with parents. Maybe you've been closely connected to some of that. And where do you see just a place that maybe you felt understood or felt cared for in a way? Maybe it was through a a relationship with somebody else, God's love through somebody else to, to you. Many times what's buried in those emotions are places where God is making himself known to us. Take another minute or so, jot down everything that comes to mind, good things, hard things, blessings you see in them. Now I want you just to pick one. Doesn't have to be the best one. Doesn't have to be the perfect one. Doesn't have to be worded just right. Just grab one of those. 
grab one and, and just very briefly in those, those bottom two lines, write a sentence or two. What is it? What are the ways that God has blessed you? Uh, it might be something like, you know, my grandmother celebrated her 96th birthday and I was just so mindful of her spiritual fortitude and how she's blessed me over the course of her life. Or it could be I had a very difficult relationship with my son or daughter, just super challenging right now. And I get really anxious about it, but there have been moments of peace in it too. It could sound anything like that. My best friend was diagnosed with cancer. And as hard as it's been, it's been such an incredible privilege to come alongside and pray for her. And I've seen God in moments of that. Whatever yours is, just, just jot it down. Short sentence, short phrase. Now I'm going to ask several of you to share, just to get up and, and read your card. And uh, you can just wave your hand. We'll get a mic to you. Bill's in the back. He has a mic. I have one up here. And, and, and uh, rest assured of this. This is not about you, okay? Not about what people think, about what you have to say. Our hope is that this would just be a sweet aroma of God's goodness that moves across the room, okay? That's it. Who wants to jump in? Who'll be first? Yeah, if you don't mind, I'll get this. Hey, I'm Karen. Um, so in these, la- in these last three months, God's promises have been made more real to me. God has brought joy in my life in the midst of some really hard things um, with provision for a really special gift for our family. Mm. Thank you, Karen. So cool. Um, I'm David. Um, I'm just, just to see how God has had his hand on my shoulder throughout my, my past 28 years, 27 years of being married. Now I know why he gave me the partner that he did to help me get through this crazy life. And I know everybody's got a crazy busy life, but I just couldn't imagine doing it with someone besides my wife. Thanks, Dave. Um, I'm Tiffany, and as I was sitting here, I wasn't planning on saying anything, but there are all these things that kind of swirl around us, and this season, I've seen death, and I've seen pain, I've seen disease, and I've seen brokenness, Mm. I've seen disappointment in other people, I've seen disappointment in myself and how I've responded to that, and it's all mixed together with an overwhelming thankfulness for the things that he's given me. And I look at that in the midst of trying to get dinner ready, school and work and all these things. And then you look at the seven churches and realize those are the things that were swirling all around them as well. This is, this is not anything new. 
But despite all that, or in light of all that, he never changes. Mm. He is the alpha and the omega. He is the beginning and the end. He's the book ends to the pain and the suffering. He is the final word. He is our hope. And I think that steadiness makes me realize no matter how bad it may get or how painful it is around us, he never changes. Mm. And there is an end. And there will be a day when he wipes away every tear from our eyes. Mm. And we won't have to live with this anymore. Mm. Mm. Thank you. That will preach right there. Somebody else. By the way, this side of the room is crushing this side of the room. Hi, I um, was really touched by the letter to Ephesus, the lo losing of the first love. Mm. And when Lloyd took us back step by step to think of a place and a time where we did things because we wanted to do them. I had to think way back in high school. And so the distractions of life and mothering and um, starting a new home and doing all that kind of lost that first love. So I did. I went home and I did some homework. And I remember one summer just spending the whole summer writing letters back when there were stamps and envelopes and <laughs> mail service. And um, I just shared, I just shared the Bible and I shared the word with new Christians from my school that had given their heart to the Lord the previous year. And I remember I just had that vision of me sitting at the desk, being so excited, mm. making these envelopes and sharing these letters. Mm. And it's in those simple things that God uses to impact other lives. And sometimes we don't do anything because we think it has to be this big thing. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, returning to the first love, that stirred something in me, and it's still stirring stuff in me, so I'm, I'm very grateful. Mm. Thanks for your vulnerability. Um, the thing that really struck me looking at all the letters was that even the churches that were not rebuked were still called to more. Mm. And so um, what I wrote was that he calls us to do hard things because he loves us and is not satisfied to leave us to our own devices because he always has more for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. I'm Holly. <clears throat> I think it was Rob that talked about secrets and um, sometimes the things that we think are good things aren't. Um, I am guilty of having what people call lauded addictions, working, reading, not drugs and those things, but it still takes you away from life and family. Mm. And my secret sin is self-sufficiency. Mm. My daughter uh, works with the youth group here, 
and she called me uh, a week ago and said, uh, I want to send them up there to work on your yard. Mm. And it was hard for me, for me to let her do that. Mm-hmm. I called her, I said, I'm really tired. I've been going since 5 o'clock in the morning. Can we cancel this? <laughs> she said, no, Mom, this is their last one before they break. And um, I said, okay. And I'm thinking, okay, i got to get out there and... <laughs> clean up the yard. <laughs> and I did. I went out and weed whacked the, the monkey grass and stuff. And they came with, I guess I didn't think grown-ups were going to come. And two guys came, Kevin, and I don't remember the other one, and a bunch of kids. And they blessed me. Mm. And my neighbors said, we saw all those people in your yard mm. loving you. Mm. It shouldn't be hard, but it is. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. Mm. So true. Hi, I'm Sharon. And uh, the last few weeks, something that really impressed upon me was that at each of the churches, in all of their different situations, God knew them. And he knew right where they were. Like... You know, I was thinking about Laodicea and how um, how they had to have the water piped in. And where it came from, one side was cold, which was refreshing, and one side was hot, which was soothing and comforting. And it came, by the time it got to them, it was lukewarm and kind of gross. And um, I just was amazed at how, and it was that way in all the letters, how he took, the words were so wise as to their specific place where they were. And it just made me kind of in awe of how God sees us and he knows us so well, no matter where we are. And it just, I don't know, it just gave me this love for him because even in the, ways that we grieve him all the time in our faulty lives and he still knows us so well and he loves us enough to pursue us and and just bless us if we decide to you know change and make him everything to us and that was just such a you know and I've seen that in my life I've seen the way he's blessed in ways that I just it's like I didn't even pray for this, but he knew I longed for it, and he blessed me with it. Mm. Um, and so I guess that really has been a real blessing for me, just that confirmation of God seeing us where we are, even in our brokenness and our stuff, and just loving us so much that he speaks to us where we are and desires to bring us closer to him. Mm. Anyway, yeah. Thank you. A couple more, one or two more. Yeah, right here. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, Hold it up real close. There you okay, go. Okay, so, uh, so one of the churches, they, uh, they had a problem with just going through the motions and not really having the heart um, for what they were learning. And so that's so easy for me because I'm growing up and I go to church on Sundays and youth group on Wednesdays and Bible study on Sundays. And it's just so easy to to show up and to not really pay attention. But um, I've learned that 
you know, there there really is something special to like reading his word and really being in it. And um, that's just meant so much to me. And I found so much satisfaction in it. Mm. And so, um, so yeah. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you very much for sharing with us. All right, one more. Who needs to share? There it is, right back there. Is there another one in the back row? That's okay. We'll let you go too. Uh, hey, I'm Jaden, and uh, <clears throat> one thing that struck me was what the churches went through uh, as far as persecution goes, and where we are in our culture. Uh, living as, as a Christian in America is not as easy as it was even 10 years ago or five years ago, and I find myself feeling like God's been taken off guard by this, or uh, you know, just admitting that, and, and I fret and I stress over what I see on, in media and in the news and around the world. And, and this study has really shown me that he's in control of everything. He's on his throne. And the Lord Jesus is not taken aback by what we're going through in our lives, each one of us as Christians, together as a, a church family. Mm-hmm. And the encouragement it's given me, seeing just... Uh, what it was like to be a Ro- you know to be in Rome and to be part of this, and then what what we go through as a small part of that as well these days. Mm. But I love seeing that and feeling that okay, this is not new, this is part of it, and uh, and it gives me a lot of uh, encouragement and strength to to see that we're not the first ones here. Yeah, thank you. Hi, I'm Jenny. And uh, we came here about 36 years ago, and I'm a Miami girl, and it was lonely. This one came out to a farm. We didn't know anybody. We didn't have any family. We had two young kids, and I'm really social, and we had a church, and so that was really exciting, And but it was still a bit lonely, and culturally, everything, and it's been so, such a blessing to be here, and now... Um, We have Gary's mother, who's 99, here with us. All the way down, our two sons have come back from traveling all over, and they've come back here to raise their children, and they're um, both 20 minutes from us. So, And we have church, and we have church friends, and it's just been such a blessing for all these years, the transition, what I felt then and what I have now and how God has blessed our family and bless me. Oh, that's great. If you're new to town, it only takes 36 years to get plugged in. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. Great job. Uh, thanks for honoring the Lord. Thanks for encouraging the rest of us. You know, uh, God glorified is hope realized in us, right? We declare the goodness of God. And our hope gets buoyed as we hear those things in others' lives. So thanks for sharing. I'm going to ask you to stand. I want to send us out with Paul's words from Romans chapter 5. This is what he says. He says, we exalt God in our tribulations, knowing that our tribulations bring about perseverance. Perseverance brings about proven character, and proven character, hope a hope that does not disappoint. Because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us.
May we be a people who read, who hear, and who heed the words of Jesus Christ. And in that, be blessed today and forever to come. Thanks for sharing. We'll see you next week.